You're listening to episode 249 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And, well, you must be a pretty happy guy. Your ice hockey team won. Your lacrosse oh, team won. man. Your baseball team gave up 10 runs in the first inning today. But <laughs> Yeah, two yeah. out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf said, right? Yeah, um, so. Uh, yeah, the Caps won a series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. How this about is, it? This is incredible. This is amazing. It's uh um and it was just it was just great. Uh they they were down you know the missing three of their top six uh forwards, uh two of their best players, Tom Wilson was suspended and and uh Nick Backstrom was hurt and they still won. Overtime's awesome. Everyone in the family was freaking out. It was great. Cool. And then so. Canisius made the is, is in the NCAA lacrosse tournament as well. Yeah, which yeah. was which That'd be is cool awesome. if they ended up against Towson or somebody like that. That'd be cool. Well, I if assume they, they have a play in game. Right, Towson didn't make it, but they they have a play in game where they play Robert Morris. If they win that game, they'll come down to play Maryland, oh. where they'll <laughs> get summarily trounced. But uh, yeah, so all right. Well, enough about sports. As always, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail if you'd like, record your own audio clip, send us the MP3 as an attachment, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. But as always, also, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group, join the discussions there. Or you so, can send us a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people probably don't even know what that is, to, depending true. on how young they are. But I'll let you go first on the tip of the week this time. I always freeze up on tip of the week. Like I had it, and then okay. But this week it's solid. So uh, I only I, I just saw the premiere of this season, but the hundred started off very very strong. As always, the show that kind of pushes the limits and pushes our time limits, I guess. The uh, the first episode. What, what season is this? Anyway, is this third or five? Fourth? Five. Five. Seriously? Yes. And they just got renewed today for season six. I heard they got renewed. You know who else also got renewed already was uh, Westworld. Really? Yeah. And your other show, uh, Legion Supernatural. Supernatural renewed. Well, that, that's that's just like a. They got renewed, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, season okay. fourteen. Wow, that's <laughs> obviously because like the the my both of my sons are trying to get caught up in Supernatural. Every now and then, when I'm watching like the current season, they'll come and like, "Oh, Supernatural! What season is this?" I'm like, "The current one." They're like, "It's still on." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Believe you'll you'll be able to watch uh, when they get caught up. It'll be one of the boys' bachelor party, probably. Right. <laughs> Well, it's a show I'll get, to, I'll get to watch new episodes of my grandkids so yeah but uh, anything else you want to say about the hundred as your pick S- sometimes it can uh, fall into melodrama but somehow they manage to kind of like ride that line to not be too ridiculous right and to also have yeah. characters that we care about and um you know they they jump ahead just in the middle of the episode just boom five years right yeah before and, and change uh, have you seen it yet I, I yeah I've seen okay. both um, and that's like, like what? You know, and uh, I guess it's just so the little kid can grow up. Of course, you know, you know, um, they have to wait all that time before the the hatch opens again or whatever. And, um, but uh, yeah, you know, just like how many shows do that in the first episode? Just make a four year jump, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty bold stuff. I like it. Still going strong. Yeah, I still contend it's one of the best genre shows on. Um. All right, now, my tip of the week is a show I've mentioned before, and it certainly falls in the fantasy category. Um, really, I feel so strongly about it, particularly the penultimate episode that just aired Monday night, and that is Lucifer on Fox Network. Uh, yes, that Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness, the devil. And his character's based on a comic book series, The Sandman, which Neil Gaiman has a significant hand in, and it later became a spinoff comic book series called Lucifer, uh, DC Comics, Vertigo. But it is just such a great show. And, And I guess what struck me 
this time that that leads me to want to record a take five because there's just so many things I want to say and I'll, I'll compress it to five minutes. But yes, it's a show about the devil. So of course, when the show was announced, uh, all of the religious groups were up in arms. And once you see the show, I, I mean, it's about faith. It's about hope. It's about love. And, and, and the devil is in the middle of it. And he certainly doesn't come across as the devil of yore, if you will. It, it's just it's just a spectacular show. Trisha Helfer, who we know from Battlestar Galactica, has been in seasons two and three, and she plays a, a prominent role in uh, th- this season. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to spoil anything. It's it just a phenomenal show. It's on Monday nights, Fox, just ending season three. So you can go back up believe it's on netflix but i'm not sure i don't know cool all right well let's get to dollhouse episode seven of season two titled meet jane doe written by marissa tancherone jed whedon and andrew chambliss directed by dwight little and this one aired december 11th 2009 and as we said at this point in the season they were doubling them up so even though this episode felt like it had an ending as as opposed to part one of a two-parter it was the first episode that aired that night and then uh, 208 which we'll talk about next week aired right after it we did have one guest star i know you recognized him uh-huh glenn morshower yep i mean i only know him from 24 but uh, right Aaron man, on do 24 I, yeah man do i know him so he was the president's Chief of Staff? No, or? no, he was the Secret Service agent. Oh, right, right, right. And for right. multiple presidents, like first for David Palmer and then the the guy, I can't remember the character's name, but he was, you know, clearly supposed to be like a like Nixon, right? Um the yeah, right, the evil guy. And he was before David Palmer's brother, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think so, well, sure. I, it's been it's but been a while. Either way, um, yeah. and then after that dude got thrown in the slammer, um, Aaron ended up shacking up with the first lady, which I right. was kind of been a little bit impressed about that. Right now, if you're not who sure, tons of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're not sure who we're talking about, the sheriff in, in tonight's episode, uh, he he also had a recurring role on Supergirl. He was in a couple episodes of Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. Bloodline, so. You know, he, he gets around, but but really he, he made a significant impact back on 24. Well, so, yeah, he, he was like everyone's, like one of everyone's favorite characters on 24. Yeah. Like he was yeah, just absolutely. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that whole idea of taking a bullet for somebody, that's Aaron Pierce. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, all he had to take tonight was uh, the front end of Ballard's car almost. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, uh, good episode i i don't know that i'm ready to give it anything higher than an a minus we'll, we'll talk about it as we go along i mean it's certainly a strong episode certainly pushes the arc along and, and we really for those of you that have seen the entire series this is really uh you know the next step towards the apocalypse yeah um and i think that's what i kind of really liked about this episode is that um Again, uh, really, yeah, as you said, we're, we're taking those, not just baby steps. Now we're taking these huge, giant leaps towards Epitaph 1. Like, basically, you know, if, if there was any hope in our hearts that somehow in this season it would come out that Epitaph 1 doesn't happen and that future is avoided, we're starting to feel like, Nope, it looks like it's it's going to happen. Yeah, and it's almost as if Joss Whedon knew that season two was going to be it because you said the pace of the series has really picked up, and which is a good thing, but where do you go from here? If we had a season three, what would it look like? Well, I wish we could find if, out. If, but. if they're doubling up the shows, I think they probably at this point had it figured out that uh, there wasn't going to be another a season yeah. three was not going to happen. Yeah. And I think weren't now, they supposed to, yeah, like they didn't, like I think we were hoping that it would get 
renewed for the back half of season two. I think by this point they had said that that, that wasn't happening. So I mean, the writing was certainly on the wall by this point. All right. Now, DeWitt says something, and I can't remember whether she says it to uh, Topher or I'm pretty sure she says it to Topher, but power is used to get more power. And that's kind of what we feel is happening with Rossum because Rossum's insidious plan certainly becomes more apparent. And we've talked in the past, particularly when we talked about Epitaph 1, who should get the brunt of the blame here. And, and, And certainly tonight, Topher and Adele turning the plans over to Harding. Now we could argue, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, that it's really Adele and not Topher, but he's he's doing the work. But mm-hmm. they're spending exorbitant sums, even for Rossum, on research per Harding. So even that, you know, we talked about Joss Whedon stepping up the pace of the series. It seems as if Rossum is stepping up the pace of their project. Yeah, no. a- absolutely. And uh, like you, know, you said, like I mean, you could see that. And you, I, you know, now you mention that, that makes a lot of things like sense about this episode because this episode does jump moves along very quickly, right? A lot of things happen in it, and you know, you're, you're exactly right there. I think that they realize well now we only have a couple more episodes to tell the whole story because we're not going to get another season. So, you know, we need to we need to move this along. Yeah. Now, the other interesting thing, Topher claims, and I'm not sure what he's basing his information on, but he claims that Bennett has twice the resources that he has. Now, maybe just being in her lab is enough to tell him that, but I, I love that he now believes she's evil and he'll never trust a woman again. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But yet he now, wonders what she's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing we learned, the, the engagements are getting more risky, more violent. We've talked about you know, that moral center that so many of the individuals at the house lack. And in fact, as DeWitt told Topher a few episodes back, you were chosen because you don't have a moral compass. Right. But Thanks. for her, yeah, <laughs> uh, but for her now, everything's spiraled out of control as she says that, you know, some of these engagements now in the past we would have had a chance to really evaluate whether or not we want to send our actives on them now it's out of our hands and i mean there's no telling what these men because uh, you know i mean we have seen you know i guess a couple where it was a woman engaging an active but for the most part these are all men yeah definitely well it, and it's we're really that's kind of like a motif of this episode is um women trying to make their way in a world of dudes right and we see the boys club especially that one scene where adele she's walking up to her former office now harding's office and she hears the raucous laughter of men laughing about something probably rude and she just kind of rolls her eyes like oh god you know, and she walks in, they're hanging out and smoking cigars and everything. And and you see the her exclusion here, right? That this is a man's world. This is, we run this stuff. You go pour us some tea, how about? Yeah. And, and I mean, they're essentially neutering her. Harding seems to derive a lot of pleasure from having taken her down a few notches. You mentioned that he's taken over her office and on the one hand, it's sort of ironic coming on the heels of her neutering uh, Lippin at the D.C. house. But but still, the way she has been put in her place by, as you say, the boys club, it, it's just really difficult to watch. But this is Adele DeWitt, yep. and we have to feel throughout this episode that she's just biding her time. Yeah. Well, you know, and like Hardy even like slams her when she's not around because like the one dude is like, well, she's she's pretty good looking. He's like, well, yeah, she was, you know, back in the day. It's like, dude, like, it's just that's so wrong. Like you're just blatantly inaccurate as well. It's just like a a, just a, a terrible thing to say. But but yeah, you're you're absolutely right that we know. Well, we at least we hope 
But then, of course, when she actually does, like, get back up into her office, I don't think we care for the way she made that happen, you know? No, but, and I'll just leave it at that for now, Dr. Saunders is still AWOL. According to the House, now, now we certainly know what's going on with him, but Ballard has been AWOL. They're certainly looking for Echo, who they assume is in the doll state, which is obviously not the case. The seeds of Tover's breakdown after he realizes what his tech is likely going to be used for really becomes evident in this. And this is a totally different Tover than we've seen. I mean, he was joking a little bit when he was in the DC house, but even that ended pretty quickly. But tonight there's little to no humor from Tover. Right. Well, and, and at one point when we see him and the way he's like, cozying up to Harding and, you know, like doing all, you know, being like Harding's little go-to buddy. And I'm like, what the hell? Because the last time we checked on Topher, he was having some major conscience issues with what he was doing. And now he's just like creating this tech to, you know, remotely white people. And he's cool with that. Smiling and laughing and taking in all the adulation. You were like, what the hell, Topher? Yeah. Of course, we find out that, you know, he was, you know, trying to play a game. Right. Now, we get a great extended scene with Ballard and Echo in which she reveals the progress she's made and how she sees herself. And we'll, you know, talk about that in some depth uh, in a little bit. But the opening scene where we see Echo picking through dumpsters for food, she's in Medina, Texas. She's just filthy and dirty. And she goes into that store because she's hungry and is stopped by the owner. Hey, you have to pay for that. Yeah, with money. Where do I get it? <laughs> On trees. Where's yeah. the tree? Right. I mean. Yeah. So, so I mean, he, here's my question, Dave, because I, I might have missed something that answered this. Is she really in the doll state here? Or is this an act? Because this is all part of the plan to jam up some woman to get thrown in jail so they can get her out as like practice for breaking people out of the dollhouse. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I mean, you know, you talked about the time jump in the hundred, we get a three month time jump here and we go from, you know, this filthy, dirty doll to somebody that is a highly competent nurse. And we're thinking, well, what the heck happened here? So I don't know the answer to your question. It's a great question. My guess is no, that the plan came later and that we don't really see how she and Ballard ended up getting together, formulating this plan. And I wonder if the fact that she just knew of this woman who was, I think even her in her doll state, she probably sensed that this woman was being unfairly, persecuted yeah or she and, might and, sense that she's the reason that woman's in jail well that's true also good point because she grabs whatever it didn't look like very nutritious food but yeah food she grabs the food hands to lay and then bolts right and she gets sent to jail and she and echo gets away you know it's like that's why when she asked the woman in jail like do you recognize me i mean like yeah i recognize you bitch you're the one who got my ass in here. Of course I recognize you. I want to kill you. But, you know, to the young woman's credit, she doesn't seem to you know, exude that sort of an attitude. No, and, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, part of this story in, in tonight's episode, Ballard and Echo working together, ultimately, to get back into the dollhouse to take it down, we assume. But... Echo's learning how to access her past imprints. And, and that's Is she really ever. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really the center of their storyline. And she makes that statement that she's saving the body for Caroline. But I think by the end of the episode, she's not so sure that she wants to do that. Right. And well, oh, oh, go ahead. Go Sorry. ahead. No. No, I was just saying that that answered a question that we had last week, right? Because we were wondering is it Caroline in there? run the show or is it echo and now we get that answer definitively that it's echo and caroline is out there somewhere right but the interesting thing to me is that 
even though it's not Caroline pulling the strings, it's almost as if, you know, we talked about the doll architecture that, that each active has to have uh, placed in them. It's almost as if the Caroline architecture, just by being there, enables Echo to do all these things that she's doing. But that's my question. Is Caroline there? Well, I think she's there. I just don't think she's active. And, so and we sure were kind of talking is. about that. Okay. Okay. So you think Topher really did wipe her completely? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I honestly don't know. But I just think that that whole line, like you said, the one you said where, like, I'm saving this body for her, to me, that seems to indicate that, that she's not there. Like, if she were, why wouldn't Echo say, all right, Caroline, here you go? Okay. No, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, well, this aspect of the story is is kind of interspersed with what's going on at the dollhouse proper. And as we said a few minutes ago, DeWitt has been basically kicked out of her office. Harding is in charge of the L.A. house and even implies that the L.A. house might even get shut down in favor of the new house in Dubai. But regardless, she's just struggling to find her place in what's left and, and i love we'll get to the uh, uh the conversation she has with boyd in a little bit but again as we said it's just really sad now with echo working as a nurse I mean, where did this come from three months later she's this competent nurse and this is the beginning of where we see that she's able to draw on uh, her past imprints and that joel Miner's wife apparently was a nurse and that's where she gets this information from. But right. it's when nice she had- little, Nice little shout out back there to, uh, to Joel Meyer, one of our favorite episodes, right? I think we both Yeah, absolutely. Like but, right, but it's a callback to all of the past episodes when they break out of the prison and oh. they jump on the motorcycle and, yep. and the girl goes, do you know how to do this? And she's like, wait a minute. Yep, I know how to do it. And that yep. was in the first episode, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and, and the uh, the was it blue skies the uh, the the thief, yeah, or the the uh, safe cracker whatever, right? Yeah. yeah, you know she speaks Spanish, which obviously was was part of her ability uh, of getting that girl out. I mean, obviously the plan didn't go the exact way she thought it would, but I think that was part of the test that she and Ballard were putting her through that. Can you adapt if things go sideways? And the answer is yes, she uh, can, and, yeah. and she did. You know, and this is actually funny because, like, you know, with the, the kids, we used to play a lot of the the Lego games, like Lego Star Wars, Lego Batman, and everything. And in it, you if you you get into like the one type of play mode, um, whenever whatever situation, you can then scroll through all the characters that you have to pick the one you need for that particular, to get past that particular hurdle. And so I was thinking about that because literally it was like she was scrolling through these lives and oh, there's the one and then boom. So it's, it's very much like a, a video game for sure. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if they could depict that visually, which makes me think of Cassandra and the librarians and a little bit of the hand waving and whatever. That would be cool, but not to be, now, I don't know about you, but I was a little taken aback momentarily to find that Echo and Ballard are living together in an apartment. You know, they're talking about Galena, the woman that's in jail. And you were kind of alluding to this a, a second ago. How did she get on their radar? Is it a leftover that, as you, I think, uh, rightly purport, that I got her in jail, I need to get her out? But as they're unpacking the groceries, you know, some good lines in this one. 36 personalities and none of them can cook, <laughs> Ballard tells Echo. At this point, it's like, okay, is he joking? Oh, yeah, he is. He, he's, he, he's joking. But she's apparently learned to cope with all of these personalities and control Ghislaine as a test. And, you know, other than it's a test, as to whether she can go back to the dollhouse and we assume pretend that there's nothing different, even though it is I right. mean, am I, again, am I missing something? Um, well, I thought it was a test of going back to the dollhouse and breaking people out. Well, right. But she's got to go back and pretend 
she's still in the doll state. I mean, if she goes back and acting like she's been acting, totally in control, well, there's no way they're going to let that go. She's going to be placed in the chair and Topher's going to do his thing. So she's got to go back in and pretend. And then what? Start breaking them out one by one? I mean, is that what the plan is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and, and see... And see, even there, what's the plan? You're, you're okay. Let's let's take Victor. Say, you're going to break out Doll State Victor. Then what? Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, like using a prison breakout as the practice or the warm up for breaking people out of the dollhouse. Like, well, wait, how, how are those two similar? I mean, I get your. Breaking through multiple levels of pers- of uh, security, and you have to beat a lot of people up, but still, like it's not even close. Breaking one p- person out of jail versus breaking multiple people out of the dollhouse. The least of which is that you know once you're out of jail, yeah, you know people are going to try and find you, but it's not like the you know Medina Texas cops have like unlimited resources whereas once you break the people out of the dollhouse um rossum they're they're pretty resourceful you know and they're gonna be coming after you so like i I just i don't see the how the the two are you know like parallel at all right and at this point we don't really know i mean look we know they have top of the line surveillance at the dollhouse so are you saying at this point we don't know well yeah, I, I don't remember the details. It's no, you, been several you, you years. Right. I, I know. There, there, um, there was, there, I, you know, oh man, I can't remember what the movie is now. But like this guy's telling some story about like a girl that he met and the other guy keeps saying, but is she a pro? And the other guy keeps saying, at this point, we don't know. And then he continues on with the story and then he says, but was she a pro? Like, like a prostitute, you know? He's like, yeah. at this point, we don't know. So. Well, you already mentioned that Tonight, we learn that this is Echo controlling things. And she even says, I'm not her. My name is Echo. But right before that, she points out that it was Bennett that showed her Caroline. And that's what seems to be the catalyst for her being able to access all these. So that's why I said what I did a few minutes ago, that I think Caroline's in there, just not active, but that somehow she has a role whether or not you know she's in control i mean echoes claims no and i i certainly believe her because if i didn't she'd kick my ass but right that's i think one of the more fascinating things now the other thing that was fascinating is when she starts coming on to ballard ballard fights the good fight god bless him i I, i'm telling you he he, a couple of times well it's i think the, the the beautiful part about that scene is like Every heterosexual male watching Dollhouse is just dying. Like, like, dude, come on. And Ballard is just like, no, sir, not going to do it. And like, so we're, you know, filled with kind of a mixture of respect of and revulsion for Ballard. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's, you're, you're a stronger man than I kind of thing, but also the dude. You suck. (laughs) Well, but I think really, I think most of us, we believe him and what he says. I think I don't have the right. And I think push comes to shove. I think we'd all really feel that way. I mean, yes. (laughs) It's like, dude. Yeah. Um, Well, I think his experiences with Melly slash November kind of solidified that attitude in him that you know he doesn't want to he you know like he feels like even though he didn't he feels like he took advantage of her you know and actually remember he did sleep with her even after he knew that she was a doll right yeah that's right and i think that one time when he did that he still feels so terrible about it though i think we talked about the time how her you know, genuine hurt as Melly and her, her genuine confusion over what had changed in their relationship that led for that to happen. But he still 
hated himself for doing it. And so I think that's part of, you know, like the reason why. In a very sexually charged scene, I mean, that whole fight scene, it's just, there's the, the sexual energy there is just off the charts. You know, and then they go and they try to sleep and neither of them can sleep. But you know what they're really thinking of. But what do they do? They get up and they start pounding on each other again. And not the good way. I mean, like by fighting. Yeah, I got that. Okay. <laughs> um, and for him... When he says, I don't have the right, it's because he doesn't know who he would be having sex with. And she realizes that that's his moral dilemma. And as she says, there's a lot of noise from the chorus girls, but they're not me. This is my decision, not a result of what the dollhouse did to me. And while she can intellectualize it and not that he doesn't understand what she's saying, he's just seen too much. And he cares too much for her that I don't care. Uh, no, not not at this time. And then, as you say, the, the sex gets replaced by the fighting. And there were some great fight scenes. There's, there's no question. Now, we've seen this kind of a plan before. The whole make the person appear dead. And I think in some shows and uh, movies, they've even gone to the uh, uh, gone to the uh, length of burying the body and then having to dig it up again. We don't get that far because Galena wakes up too soon. That's one of the wrinkles in the plan. Can Echo adapt? And again, the answer is yes, she can. Picks the lock. And Galena says, you're not the nurse. You'll wonder what's going on in her head at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because she's seen different aspects of this same woman. And just to phrase it like that, you're not the nurse. Well, who who do you think I am then? Right. I mean, obviously, she she couldn't even begin to comprehend what is really going on with Echo. I mean, you know, I, I imagine she might in some way assume it's something like multiple personality disorder or something like that. But yeah. uh, but still, that's a pretty uh, you know pretty dead on statement there from her when she said that. And then of course we see Ballard coming in to pick up Galena and and her new identity as Lisa. You are the strangest woman I have ever met. And <laughs> of course we know this is the test run. Echo comes on to Ballard again and kisses her back, but just once while it's just the two of us, she tells him. And I find his reaction to that statement strange when she says just the two of us i thought she clearly met her and ballard i think right. he interpreted it as if you know her and caroline or her right. and Absolutely. somebody else and doesn't necessarily mean i think he should have gone ahead and had sex with her even if he thought it was just the two of them but i i felt like that was a I guess on the one hand, understandable that he would interpret it that way, but I don't know. It, it well, just, why? Why is that suddenly the thing that ruins all the mojo? You know, like I mean, I, I guess you say he's like, yeah, as you said before, who am I having sex with? I don't, I don't want this to be where it's like some like 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 who is this person? I'm not having sex with a body. I I, I want to share a moment with a person, right? Yeah. So. I guess we get why he then would take exception to the idea that she has all these different people floating around her head. It could be any one of them that he ends up in bed with. But it's all irrelevant because, you know, it's at this point that Boyd walks in. So even if he'd been, you know, down for it, uh, you know, Boyd would have come in and just blocked the whole thing. Yeah. Are you ready for your treatment? And, And it's like Echo... Yeah, dude, whatever. Yeah. Now, getting back to the dollhouse and DeWitt and Topher, you know, we've talked about how DeWitt's had her power stripped and she's been neutered by Harding. Does it get any worse than her having to get Topher to sign off on an engagement? I I don't think it worked that way before, but apparently it it does now. Right. And I think it's uh, just Harding just completely humiliating her debasing her and you know so now even the the people who are once subordinate to you now you are there 
Right. And the problem DeWitt faces now is she doesn't know who to trust. She doesn't know whether or not to trust Topher Brink, because on the one hand, she feels he's sold out to Harding. Now, we learn later in that conversation the two of them have is that, no, I solved the problem like, you know, in a couple of days. I've just been stalling for the last few months. But I don't know that she believes him <laughs> and whether or not he's telling the truth. And then, you know, you mentioned about her being brought into a meeting with all the big boys. And this is where we get the unveiling of the new house in Dubai. And as you said, that that certainly makes sense. They're, they're building a house where the money is. Mm-hmm. But when she's told that they're going to transfer a few actives from the L.A. house to the Dubai house, you can see that she's a little bit concerned. And he even points out Sierra, oh, she would be perfect for Dubai. And right. Well, and especially like, and, and here is almost like where, I mean, the the actives are, are slaves, basically. Kind of, you know, like sure. here it is. Like he notices Victor and Sierra grouping. He's like, oh, we got a solution for that. I'll just take her to Dubai. Let's split them up. You know, let's like, who cares? Right? I have, to me, they aren't people. They're just things. So who cares if they're separate? Who cares what that will do to them emotionally? Right? Yeah. He's just such an asshole. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And then I love uh, maybe my favorite line uh, outside of the, you know, few humorous lines we have in this episode. Boyd has finally had enough. We need to take this house back. And then she asks how, and I love his retort. The Adele I knew would never ask that question. Right. And it's, it is a little surprising. I, I certainly side with Boyd there. The fact that now with the two of them working together, once Ballard gets back, this is going to be interesting because it's almost like a, a three-pronged war is that you've got Ballard and Echo coming back to take down the dollhouse. You've got Boyd and DeWitt trying to take back the dollhouse from Harding and Harding, you know, he's just at the top of the food chain in, mm-hmm. in the Rossum Corporation, so it seemed. And, and it, for him, it's all about power and, and, and you know, whatever's going to be best for Well, for him, because he's such an a-hole, it's just everything, as you said, it's about power, about being able to, you know, have other people do your bidding. Now, now in terms of having people do your bidding, I wonder whose idea it was to imprint Sierra and Victor with science mm-hmm. And medical knowledge. Right. I mean, because on the one hand, it makes perfect sense. We saw it, you know, last time where Topher imprinted Victor with Topher so that, you know, he, he could literally be in two places at once. But I, I doubt this was DeWitt's idea here. My guess is this comes from Harding. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that for sure. You know, I mean, it certainly would be conducive to speeding up the research projects that that we have going on here. Uh, Topher's giving a talk about taking the next step, not using the chair to do the imprinting, remote wipes, which you know we've certainly talked about a number of times, puts on that demonstration. Victor and Sierra are wearing lab coats. They start kissing. Harding notices that the two of them are grouping. And, and as you say, well, Harding's solution is that the girl would be perfect for Dubai and don't want to see the two of them split up. Uh, Fred's going to address that in his feedback. So I'll, I'll go ahead and, and hold off on that okay. for now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, just Harding is just so awful, like in every, absolutely every facet. He's just the, cruel terrible like i said his treatment of dewitt is like it's just cruel right there's no there's no real reason for it except that he can you know so he seems to get off on being able to do things just because he can like i can tell you to do that and i'm going to make you do it i don't i don't even care whether it gets done or not i just want to see you do it you know right but We've talked about scientific responsibility, you know, from day one with the dollhouse. And tonight it really comes to a head because, yes, Topher gives his little talk about his remote wipe, not needing the chair anymore. And then he suddenly has that realization that each house 
is working on a small component that will ultimately be put together, but for what reason? And he knows the reason. I mean, again, his, his mind can can make those leaps that what they want to be able to do is imprint anyone, yeah. even without doll architecture in place, any innocent on the street can be imprinted with a new personality. And even he's unnerved that it's him that figured out how to do it. Right. So, I mean, like, here's my question, though. Topher, why would you write this down? Why put it on a document that you have to hide? Why not throw that in the fire and leave it there? You know? And why show it to Adele DeWitt? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I get he trusts DeWitt at this point. They've had moments, right? So he yeah. really, he trusts her at this point. That's kind of what that shows. But, I mean, just the fact that you have it, that's crazy like why would you do that why would you and hide it in the places like not locked up i just right but but i i guess i wonder and yes i agree with everything you said about topher but then we go back to dewitt and the fact that she takes the plans and as you you know again mentioned a few minutes ago she gets her house back by giving those plans to Harding. And we're thinking like, what the hell are you doing? Right. She tells Harding that I understand how it works now. Now, I'm, of course, feeling like, no, she's just conning him. And then I love when he says, did you ever consider imprinting a doll to just kill me? I hope I have the courage to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love nice. it. Um, yeah. A big betrayal here on Adele's part because – you know, again, yes, I get it. You want your house back. You want to present your dolls. You feel very maternal towards these dolls. And uh, but uh, as someone points out to her, like I think Boyd tells her, like you know, you're are you just upset because you're not in charge, right? Like she right. needs to be the boss. You know, this is this is bad, bad. You know, I mean, of course, it's it's ten times worse because we've seen Epitaph One and we know what happens, right? We know where this is all leading and it's just incredibly terrible the fact that i mean adele doesn't hasn't had that that advantage of knowing the future knowing what's going to lead but it doesn't take a heck of a lot of imagination as topher said to figure out why they want this and what the res- the consequences could be of letting this get into rossum's hands and she just delivers it up to him straight up you know so right. that you know, we talk I, about just ignoring consequences, and this is like the probably the the grossest example of that. Right now, I don't think we knew before tonight that Dewitt has a scientific background, and she and she mentions that. So, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, does she have a plan in place? I mean, is this one of these cases that I'm going to give you this technology? But I've still got the guy that created it. And if he created it, he can sabotage it or he can do whatever. So uh, we don't know that. But you'll wonder because other than that, it just doesn't make any sense to do what she does. That's totally self-serving. Right. And she, she has come out as being somebody that does care about those under her, including the actives. And that she wants to get things back in control. And, and of course, Topher calls her the coldest bitch on the planet when he finds out that she sold him out, as he uh, feels, slaps him and tells him that he's off research. He's just on, you know, imprinting. Yep. I rule the house. I won't let anyone challenge that again. And obviously, Boyd's statement to her about getting the house back really had an impact. Yeah. Well, and, you know, she's basically doing to Topher what Harding did to her, right? She's now demoting him to some kind of subservient position uh, to humiliate him. And that's like she just went through that. Then she's going to go ahead and do it to somebody else, right? Yeah. I I guess I feel what Harding does to DeWitt is is worse than what she did to Topher. But I I think you're you're, fundamentally, I I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, we get to that final scene. Echo re-enters the house with Boyd and Ballard, and we get that slow motion sequence, and we see the other actives looking up at her, and it's like the queen has returned. 
Mm-hmm. DeWitt refuses Echo a treatment, places her in isolation to see what Echo's capable of. So we don't know what Echo, Ballard, and Boyd had planned that was going to happen when they got back, but my guess is not this because they immediately say her headaches are getting worse. I think she needs it. We don't know why they would want her to have a treatment, but it, it did seem that way. Yeah. We, yeah, we assume that like they, they think the treatment will, will relieve these physical symptoms she's experiencing. She just really does a terrible job of looking like she's a doll, right? Like she's yeah. totally aware of what's going on. It's obvious. It's obvious to Adele she knows what's going on and that she's not in a doll state as as they have you know believed that a, a doll state is uh so anything else you want to bring up don't think so okay um you know i'm i'm going to go a minus i think in retrospect there's a lot here there's a lot of really important information that's presented uh, really pushes the story as you alluded several times when we look at it in conjunction with epitaph one it's pretty important stuff so i'm gonna go a minus yeah i think um yeah i'll go a A minus it it was really i really liked it a lot Uh, as far as yeah i I just think that again i i feel i don't know for sure i just feel like you know it's by this time um they'd gotten the word that the, the show wasn't going to be renewed. And so they're trying to fit a lot of story into uh, only a few episodes. And so they're, they're making some jumps and leaps like the whole thing about, you know, between her kicking the gun away from the police officer and then ending up as a nurse in the prison. Like, wait, how did that happen? What, what, what what's that all about? So, um, a mice, solid a mice, I think. Cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, hear what fred has to say in this week's listener feedback section hello dave and wayne this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for dollhouse season 2 episode 7 first off i made a little mistake last week i had not fully listened to your episode 5 podcast uh, when i watched episode 6 and recorded my episode 6 audio feedback so i listened to the episode 5 podcast and made all kinds of notes Then I listened to your episode 6 podcast that was just uploaded. The result was that I could throw away about 80% of the notes I just made. One of the examples was that Wayne said in the episode 5 podcast... Yeah, Bennett, being as as far from, personality-wise, as far from Topher as you can get, so... In my episode 6 feedback I said... Quote, my own quote, Bennett and Tova together is just so adorable, although they both have, the one more than the other, an autistic and disturbed brain. So after hearing uh, Wayne in the episode 5 podcast, I was writing down notes and fully disagreeing with Wayne and wrote down why I think Bennett and Tova are quite alike. Listening to the episode 6 podcast, I hear the both of you suddenly say, As you said, he's as awkward as she is i, I don't right. know who to if i had to pick one who's more awkward i you know they're they're both really awkward but you know Topher might be slightly more but uh but they're still both it's funny because they're geeking out over each other right right like the bad thing about this i could throw away all my notes the good thing about this is we obviously do agree i just love when a plan comes together Lesson to be learned here, don't listen to a podcast after you already watch the next episode. Always do this before, Fred. Furthermore, Wayne said in the episode 5 podcast that he finished the book Ready Player One and that you would possibly talk about that in the next podcast. Well, actually, you didn't. I just wondered how you would talk about that without giving too many spoilers for the new film. I recently went to that film in the cinema and I have to say I liked it. I would never have gone to it if it weren't for Hannah John Cameron, which I know from Killjoys. She has not a big role in the movie, but her role was okay. 
One other thing you were talking about that was that Zoe Palmer and Anna Silk, we all know from Lost Girl, are going to play a role in the upcoming third season of Winona Earp. I'm slowly working me through season one and two, so I will be ready for season three. Another reason that I'm going to, is that I'm going to visit the Urpapalooza convention in Minneapolis next October. I really can advise this series for the listeners, especially for those people who liked Lost Girl. Okay, I'm doing it like you, three minutes in, and I d- didn't say anything about this episode. Okay, meet Jane Doe, this episode. In the beginning, Tova says, Bennett has twice the resources I have. She thinks she can run that house. And she might, for all I know. But here is the one thing of which I'm certain. Certain. And then you expect uh, something very important from Tover. And then he says, I have a cooler office. And Ivy to Tover. Tover, what happened in DC? One of the nice things in the beginning was a kick-ass echo. Um, how she uh, fights the deputy. Um, Echo and Ballard's surprise attack training reminded me, as probably as it reminded everybody, of Inspector Clouseau versus Cato in The Pink Panther. I think in this episode it was very interesting that uh, Anna twist that Echo is being able now to access all knowledge and skills from, a different, from her different doll roles. I, did, I didn't see it coming, by the way, that she was uh, together with Ballard. Echo says, There is a lot of noise from the chorus girls, but that they are not me. This is me. And I question, really? How can you say that, knowing that you originated from just one person, Caroline, on which a layer is laid of 36 per- pers- personalities? How can you say who Echo is? It was a very nice uh, escape plan from Galena. Uh, It was just a pity that the guard didn't get a heart attack by the zombie rise of Galena. Harding? Harding is really following the money, starting to open a house in Dubai. Harding is power playing with the poor Adele de Witt. You can also notice this in small details, such as Feel free to use my elevator. Not the elevator, but my elevator. I'm sure it was previously the witch elevator. In this episode, the two of you get all the answers you asked yourselves in the last two podcasts. For instance, the question why in a corporate business they don't work together in a better way. This was obviously on purpose. And it starts also to become very clear how we are going into the direction of Epitaph 1. Funniest moment of the episode, after Tovan's, Tover's demonstration of the remote wipe, Victor and Sierra start kissing. Tover is getting annoyed by that and just wipes them in an instant. Big question of course is, is Adele really going for Rossum's power plan or does she have an alternative plan? I really feel for Tover, by the way, that the only woman he trusted seems to betray him. He should have listened more to himself, because at the beginning of the episode he said, I will never trust another woman as long as I live. Okay, final quote. Are you out of your British mind? Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now, you know, Fred, you bring up uh, Ready Player One and how Wayne and I said we were going to talk about it. You know, we may have said we'll talk about it next week, but next week for us, it was very fluid the yes. weeks you know <laughs> but but when we do talk about it we'll, we'll definitely try to avoid spoilers as much as possible and and when we do we'll do it at the end of the podcast so listeners can be alerted and and you know if you want to just stop listening to the podcast at that point it, it's certainly fine but but we understand that a lot of people still haven't seen the movie including us yeah we have i haven't seen the movie I heard the movie is a lot different from the book too. From I have as well. So, but regardless, uh, we will get to it at some point. Now, Winona Earp. You don't watch Winona Earp, right? I watched like the first two or three episodes, and okay, because I I think we even talked about the first episode here. I think that's probably oh yeah we why did we yeah. watched it initially. Uh huh. And you know, for me, I'm really torn on Winona Earp. I mean, in general, I find the actors and the characters pretty engaging, but. 
I got some issues with the show that I don't want to get into. That said, I'll likely still be on board for season three at the beginning, but uh, I'm just going to leave it there with Winona Earp. Now, as for the houses working together, you know, we we talked about uh, the fact that this did not seem to be a, a smart way to run a corporation. And of course, we find out in this episode that well, that's not what they're doing. They are working together, and, and well, they just um, don't know they're working together, right? Right. The individual ones, exactly. And on the other hand, it's almost as if the corporate heads can't see the forest for the trees, or can they? Is it just that they don't care? Is it go back to what we were saying a few minutes ago that power begets more power, well, and yeah. that you know pretty soon your graviton. Yeah. You know, what do I mean? Yeah. Well, the what? You know what I'm talking about, right? You're, Agents oh, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Talbot? <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, you're like, yeah. You're, you're, he just you're, doesn't know he's Graviton yet. You're, you're crazy guy, right? Yeah. No, I was just saying, like, if, if you work for Rossum, you've got, like, two choices, right? You're, like, on board or you're not living. It seems like are are your choices. So you know you can be on board and have tons of money and power and anything you could ever want, basically. Or you can make waves and cause trouble, in which case we'll probably kill you or put you in the attic. So choose. Like like I said, it's um you know Rossum is definitely something like once you're you're inside, it's like kind of like I guess like the mob or something. You know, once you're in, it's it's very difficult for you to get out if not yeah. impossible. Fred thinks that Topher wipes Victor and Sierra when they're grouping because he's annoyed. I think he wipes them because he's afraid of what Harding's going to say. Now, of course, Harding seems to diffuse the situation a little bit, although he then says, and eh, we'll send her to Dubai. But I, I think he's more afraid of Harding than the fact that he's just annoyed. Yeah. So... Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's, uh, like, like I said, I mean, like when you work, you work for Rossum, you know, like you know their way or the you know or no, or no way, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then you know, Fred, as as to uh, getting your episodes and your feedback mixed up, dude. I I had one. I, it was I think when we were doing Continuum that I prepared my notes. And it was the wrong episode. And <laughs> I didn't realize it uh, until Michael and I were on Skype ready to record. Uh, oops. So, dude, it happens. It happens. It's a part, so, part of the, the, the trade, man. Yep. Part of the but job. As always. Part of the yep. biz. Thanks for the feedback. And I guess that will do it for episode 249. So we got a big uh, landmark coming up. Wow. Oh, 250 yeah. next 250. time. So, wow. all right. Well, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about anything going on in the genre television world. Encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab, which you can get on the website. And we'll be back next week to talk about Dollhouse Season 2, Episode 8, titled A Love Supreme. But until then... You know, sometimes my wife gets annoyed with me. It's just like, she just starts going crazy. It's like, I don't even know who this woman is. And also, I figured it out. She went off Cylon.